Welcome back to another episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. My name is Sina and I love following the journeys of other young entrepreneurs. In this episode, I speak with Eve Kecker, Forbes 30 under 30 winner and founder of Bundly, the UK's first baby clothing rental service. We covered the motivation behind starting a clothing rental company, how she effectively tested the idea in person rather than online. I know many of you want to start a business and many of you are kind of worried about that whole MVP or testing phase. And what I loved about Eve's story is that it's not just online. You don't have to just make a website, make a landing page, collect emails, email signups and stuff like that. You can do that sort of thing in person. And she proved that very, very well with Bundly. And, and, and so she tells that story of how she did it because she had an online MVP and she had obviously the in-person testing as well. And the in-person testing worked far better than the, than the online. So yeah, stay tuned for that because there were some great tips in there. And also how the angle of building a company just around sustainability isn't enough and advice on scaling a business that was started for social good. Again, I know so many of you guys want to start a business around sustainability, social good, and stuff like that. But Eve highlights that sustainability isn't just enough. You need more in the value proposition. And so she goes into what you're looking for, what you need, and how to scale. You know, starting around sustainability is a, is a brilliant angle for your brand and, and everything like that. But when it comes to scaling, there needs to be more. And so, yeah, Eve talks about that. It's a, it's, a, it's a great piece of advice that I highly recommend anyone wanting to go into sustainability or any social good uh, needs to listen to. And also, of course, the process of attracting her first group of customers to also the step-by-step guide on how she recently raised investment. This is an amazing episode. I was really proud to have Eve on the podcast. It was one of my proudest episodes, I think, uh, to date. So I highly recommend that you stay to the very end of the episode. It's actually a pretty concise episode, I would say. A lot of value bombs, basically. Anyway, I won't keep you for too much longer. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Eve, how are you doing? Hi, Sina. I'm great, thank you. It's so amazing to have you on the podcast. Uh, it, I've been waiting a long time to speak to you. And I know that like you wanted to come on and it's amazing whenever people want to come onto the podcast. It's a real like compliment to me what I've what I've been trying to do. And you won for Forbes Thirty on Thirty quite recently as well. So it's like amazing that this is kind of the next step in your journey. Ah, <laughs> thank you. No, I think it's very cool that you're talking to young entrepreneurs who are more at that startup stage. because um, I think it's always great to learn from like other people who are at a similar stage to what you're at. Yeah, no, of course. That's that's exactly why I've started it, right? Because I saw a lot of entrepreneurship podcasts that weren't really relatable to to young people. They were kind of like talking about things that happened like 30 years ago. And it's like, things have changed so much since then. Um, especially, you know, a business around what you're doing, like something something like that didn't exist at all, you know, 30 years ago. Yeah, it's, it's I guess what we're doing informally existed but now we're using like new technologies to propel that well yeah i mean i guess it, ex- it might have existed but I, I i can't really remember anything around like baby clothes like rental or stuff like that. that that doesn't it doesn't really ring any bells of what what existed before you must be a very new service in this in this market right yeah yeah so we're the first to do this in the uk um so we started the rental subscription model um and of course like i'm sure people have experience with hand-me-downs to like informally friendship groups maybe pass around clothes but i kind of looked at the challenges that modern parents face um being in smaller homes, needing things to be delivered to them, more convenience, looking for sustainable options, and then created um, Bundly. So we're the UK's first baby clothing rental subscription. Yeah, that's really interesting. So I guess it started out of you kind of seeing the 
the sort of obviously babies grow up really quickly their clothes are thrown away or given to charity shops or whatever but that wasn't really something that filled the gap of a parents that wanted a more sustainable option right like obviously they could they could buy clothes that were more sustainable in themselves but after that like the that kind of the journey finished right exactly like there's just so much waste when it comes to baby clothing and um, they actually outgrow like seven clothing sizes in their first two years and I think everyone knows baby grows, babies grow fast but I don't think anyone realizes just how many clothes that equates to so there's hundreds of clothes wasted in the baby's first couple of years um so yeah I wanted to give parents an option that much more sustainable and eliminated all that clothing waste and meant that they still got access to like amazing quality clothes so i guess how does it work i guess like before before we go into like how you started it i guess how how does it work right now yeah so we run a rental subscription model so parents join via our website and join the monthly subscription and that gives them access to the bundly wardrobe of clothes so we send them a bundle um, of 15 pieces which acts as kind of like a capture wardrobe for their baby um, and they wear those clothes for as long as they need that size and then whenever they're ready for the next size up they just swap the clothes and um, we then take those return clothes and professionally clean them and sanitize them and then get them ready for the next renting family so we are just circulating these clothes and just giving them new leases of life i think that's amazing I and mean, obviously we've had we've had businesses on the podcast before that they're focusing around sustainable fashion mm-hmm. and the circular economy and stuff like that and i always love it when i hear businesses with that angle is it's so amazing and it's, it's amazing to hear that you've that the reason why you started was was in that but i guess what's kind of funny to me is that you like obviously we we're talking before we hit record but you're not like you don't have a baby yourself so what i would love to know is i guess like how did you start it with you not having that problem personally yeah it's always the first question people ask me is like do you have kids and not yet (laughs) no plans anytime soon but um yeah I've got much younger siblings so there's like an 18 year age gap between me and the youngest so when I was a teenager slash like young adult um suddenly these babies came along and our house was just overrun with all this stuff and I was always shocked at like how much stuff supposedly babies needed like I was like they're so small like why (laughs) why is our house crammed full of all of like yeah stuff clothes toys equipment everything um so I think that kind of sparked like a I guess a little seed of more the problem um I got to like witness it um witness what my parents were going through like firsthand um yeah and then I went and spent a year studying abroad um in America and over there they have this service called Rent the Runway which is like a huge like unicorn business um renting out designer women's wear so myself and all my friends would rent like dresses for nights out and it was just so normal it gave us access to like amazing really cool clothes um at just like a much more affordable price point as a student um so that got me into renting clothes myself um and then yeah eventually paired those two things together and it just made so much sense to me I was like baby clothes are actually the thing that has the most limited lifespan why aren't we renting these I guess what was the sort of next stage after that obviously like testing the business mm-hmm. because obviously you knew that problem like from your family and, and stuff like that and obviously you experienced that the business model to an extent does work in the US and obviously rental runway is a very good example of that they're doing amazing at the moment what was how did you kind of test bringing that concept to the UK and also molding it around baby baby's clothing yeah, so I didn't really know where to start. 
Um, but I found out that my old uni had a course called the Master of Enterprise. So you basically spend a year doing a master's and researching a business idea. So I went back, did that, um, was talking to everyone <laughs> I knew about this idea I had for renting baby clothes um, as part of my like master's thesis. I surveyed like hundreds and hundreds of parents popped up in lots of like parent and baby classes getting feedback and it was kind of a year of just getting feedback from people and back then it was when like there weren't really any of the women's wear rental startups which are now like happening in the UK um so it was like a very very new concept to people just the idea of renting clothes in itself um so I was just yeah really trying to gauge opinions from parents as to whether they'd even be like open to this idea and some parents got it straight away and were like oh my god I love it and then some people were like surely the clothes would be completely poo stained like there's no way like you could send them to multiple families like as a baby like they're messy um so then my next stage was to do a pilot um so I just started off with like an MVP of the product so just like a minimum viable product what is it that this service is it's a rental service okay great I'm gonna buy some clothes from the sales of other shops put them together into a little box and put it up on a website and try and get people to join um and I did get I think I got like eight families to join that so over six months I was testing out will they return the clothes will they swap the next size up will the clothes be completely poo stained and luckily they weren't they actually came back in like amazing condition and everyone wanted the next size up I was like okay this could work that's amazing I'd love to dig into that a bit more I guess like obviously you made the MVP with so just like a very small box of baby's clothes that you bought from a sale and then I guess you mocked up a very quick website did you use like a waiting list thing or did you say you can buy it right now and we'll send it to you like what was the sort of like structure of the MVP yeah I think I had like so I set up a website on Shopify um, and I think I had like an email collection box whilst I was like getting everything ready. And um, I think I got about 40 emails on the email collection or something. And in my head, I was like, amazing, Like I'm going to get 40 subscribers straight away. <laughs> and then when I actually put it live and sent out an email to everyone, it was like crickets. <laughs> like right okay back to the drawing board I realized like being in person and being able to talk to people about what the concept was answer any questions they had and like for them to actually see the clothes is what I needed to do so I reached out to a lot of like parent and baby classes and I was living in Manchester at the time and I just did like pop-ups in the parent and baby classes I was like I'll bring you snacks if you guys let me have my little stand <laughs> with these little sets of clothes um, and got some sign-ups through that and then, yeah, eventually I got like the amount of customers I wanted to test it out. That's incredible. That's incredible. That's so amazing. So you got eight signups just from being in person. You didn't get them from the actual site itself. I got them. I got a couple from being in person. And then I think that sparked like a little bit of word of mouth. And then people started signing up on the website. Yeah. So like, that's a really big piece of advice, I think. It's just like the MVP doesn't need to be like online which a lot of people think it needs to be like it can it can it can be you actually talking to people in person getting signups in person and then like that that's a very good way to yeah, test isn't it definitely and like as like a founder you're full of like enthusiasm for, and passion for what you're doing and sometimes it's hard to get that across on a website so being in person and people being able to see that even if they're like oh gosh this is a bit <laughs> rubbish I don't know even if they're like this isn't quite it but they see where you're trying to go with the business and you I guess you, you need to find people who are like early adopters who see the potential and see where it's going 
something and want to get involved early on. Um, so yeah, it was great. And I know some people when they're doing their MVP, they'll say, this is a pilot, like I'm testing it out. I want your feedback. But actually for me, like on the website, at least I wanted to see if people were willing to spend money on this service. Um, so I didn't have anything on the website that said, this is brand new. I just, I, I wanted to see if people would willingly put their credit card details there and trust us, I guess. I love talking to Eve about her, you know, building her MVP and also testing her value proposition in person with, you know, her target audience. But I wanted to move on because obviously the biggest motivation for starting this business was the obscene levels of waste associated with, you know, babies' clothes and obviously they grow up and they outgrow all their clothes and stuff like that. So obviously you have to buy more clothes for them. But it really reminded me of my previous business. My previous business, if you don't know, was around food waste. And that was the biggest motivation for me was, you know, trying to reduce food waste for businesses. And essentially, I don't want to go into it too much, but essentially it was, you know, a service where we take care of all the logistics of donating food for businesses so their surplus food doesn't end up in landfill. So listening to Eve really, you know, reminded me of this because that was a huge motivation for her was, you know, that's the circular economy, that whole motivation behind that. But... We ran into huge problems with my old business because we spoke to so many businesses, uh, you know, target customers of ours, and they were like, yeah, I'd love to get involved, but it's just, you know, it, it cost me a lot of money to, you know, un you know, pay you guys. So, yeah, basically it failed. Our business failed because it wasn't scalable in that regard. So what I kind of learned from that the hard way, I, I guess, is that building a business just around the, the angle of sustainability isn't enough and you have to be able to offer them more and and so we you know we looked at different things such as like food data and stuff like that but essentially it wasn't really working there were other businesses in that in that space that were doing a, a far better job than us and so listening to eve talk about her motivations for starting bundly massively reminded me of that and so i wanted to really find out from her experience did she find a similar thing starting bundly you know how did she kind of develop the value proposition to hit more pain points than just a sustainability angle and you know to ensure the business is more scalable than it already was definitely i call it like sustainability plus like i think there always needs to be something alongside it and people may initially be intrigued by what you're offering because of the sustainability side but if it's not convenient or a great price or gives them access to like a really good quality product, they're rarely like it would be a small minority of people who will join purely, purely for the sustainability. It has to be able to compete on other dimensions. Um, and I think that's so important if we want to make sustainability more mainstream, like as founders, like we need to be thinking of, OK, how can I improve my product or service in other ways as well? Um, yeah, I definitely find a lot of our customers have sustainability as one of their main motivations for joining, but they'll say it's the sustainability and the convenience or like the sustainability. Plus, I love being able to just send the clothes back when I'm done and not have to think about them and not have them clutter up my flat. Um, so it's always really two things for us. Yeah, I think that's really important. Like it's so for people that want to start a business around sustainability, like by all means do it. But at the same time, you can't just compete based on sustainability. There needs to be something more. Otherwise, you you will still get sales. Like don't don't get me wrong, you will still get sales, but you won't be able to compete with other players that won't have that as as one of their angles. Because like from when you want to go mainstream, when you want to actually scale, it's it's very difficult to do that with just sustainability as the angle. Definitely. And if we're trying 
like collectively to make the biggest impact it's finding like a bigger target market who will want your service or product so yeah definitely thinking about other value you can be giving consumers yeah no 100 percent so I guess, I guess like, I know you started with the sustainability angle, but I guess over time, did you, you obviously, as you said, you mentioned you built in the convenience aspect as well, but I guess, how did you find out that people weren't just willing to spend money on the sustainability aspect and you had to build in all these other factors? I, so with that initial group of customers, I um, sent them out like type form surveys to find out like what parts of this they found most valuable and I had a lot of because it was early stages I had a lot of like open text fields so rather than giving them options which would be limited from what I thought was valuable to them I tried to just give them okay blank text <laughs> let me know what's going on I also did a lot of um, phone calls with customers and just chatting to them and things would always come up in phone calls that I hadn't like considered myself um so I think that was like some of the main ways and even some things I hadn't really realized that people would like which in hindsight seemed obvious but one of the mums was just like I just love the excitement of feeling like I'm getting a surprise gift every couple of months because the clothes would just arrive and she'd open it and be like oh I get this blue like bodysuit I get this like yellow sleep suit and it was like that excitement and thrill um and parts yeah things like that I hadn't really considered so yeah I think it's just so important to just be constantly speaking to your customers and also realizing that as time goes on your customers may change as well so not to be in a fixed mindset of my customer two years ago said this so this is what my service offers people like customers motivations shift your product has probably shifted a bit as well so to just be constantly getting that feedback I think that's really cool because obviously your your business is is innovating very much so like there aren't there aren't any any players that I can think of that do a very similar thing to what you do in the UK there's obviously babies clothes shops and there's obviously rental services there isn't like one dedicated to this and I think whenever there's whenever you're kind of bringing a new product or service like this it's very difficult for you to kind of see and kind of analyze existing customers and say like, what do you, what do you like about this? What do you, what do you not like about this and stuff like that? And then kind of like map it out. I feel like you have to kind of put something out there first, see their reception and then kind of build on which, which like, do they value convenience a lot? Do they value sustainability a lot? Do they value like the aspect of finding a gift, like on their doorstep, like which aspect do they value the most? Because on the flip side, you can't go outside like Baby Gap and ask like, what don't you like about this? Because it's not really the same thing. So it's a bit harder for you to actually test what values your customers prefer when definitely. you're kind of trying to outcompete. Yeah, definitely. I think it's so important to just get something out there sooner than you want to really. Um, and every every previous version of Bundly to me is like, so ugly, I hate it. Like I look back and I'm like, like, why did we think that was good at the time? But it shows that you're constantly like improving and like, I feel like I heard it, someone on a podcast say like if you didn't don't hate the first version of what you put out you waited too long like you just have to put it out there because if you don't you're not getting that feedback and you could be spending two years developing something that no one wants or maybe they wanted it in a different way but because you didn't ask them because you didn't have anything out there you don't know so it's always better like customer feedback over perfection I'd say. Yeah, the um the CEO or I think one well, the co-founder of of LinkedIn said that said that. Oh quote. really? He was like Reed Reed, Reed Hoffman. Hoffman. Yeah. yeah. 
That might be wrong, by the way. Anyone in the comments might like roast me for that, but it's, it is actually on my on, on the Instagram. I did do a oh, really? Twitter quote screenshot. Yeah, so if anyone wants to actually fact check me, my <laughs> actual pot, my actual Instagram is the best place to fact check me. I'd love to talk about as well, like obviously moving on from there, how you tested the business model and how you kind of tested the pricing structure. Obviously, mm -hmm. right now you have that subscription service obviously as i mentioned before like before we hit record it's such a lucrative well not like i guess it's like very it's kind of what businesses aim for is subscription services so it's, it's, re it's recurring revenue right like for everything so like right now we're trying to move from our business right now to software as a service because it's it's, it's subscription and it's recurring revenue um but for you how did you kind of test that that was the right way to approach the pricing structure mm -hmm. Yes, having a subscription service is definitely like lower risk. Um, you don't have to go out every single month and be like, okay, how, I'm gonna, how are we going to make money this month? You know, you've got that like baseline figure that you just want to grow from. Um, and I always think like when I see people's like e-commerce businesses, I'm like, oh my God, it must be so scary. Not like something could change and you suddenly don't have anything coming in. Whereas luckily with that well, I mean, I, I know a lot of these like, I know a lot of these like e-commerce businesses, like they might be selling food, right? And they're just online and they've tried to incorporate subscription services into like a chocolate bar that they've, that they've created. And it's like, I don't think that works for that. Do you see what I mean? But it's like, they're, they're, they're trying so hard to get that subscription, subscription revenue because it is, it is so like predictable, as you said. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, yeah, you definitely can't apply it to everything. And then I guess I'm kind of lucky in the way that, it just makes so much sense with what we're doing um, because you need baby clothes consistently at least for like the first two years, which is what we offer. Um, so it makes sense to just have that be a flat monthly price and at least parents know, okay, I'm spending £24 or £39 if you have two tiers um, on like baby clothes and then I'm sorted um, and then they don't have to think about it. Um, so for us, I tested it out a few different ways to begin with I had it as like a free monthly payment so every three months is when babies tend to outgrow one clothing side of the and need the next um so I said kind of like okay pay I actually don't know what it was can't remember the original price but pay for three months up front and then when you're when you your like your rental comes to the end you then pay for the next three months and that was just overcomplicated because babies all do grow at different rates and it worked out it wasn't best to give people this fixed return date for them to return the clothes. Like it just put a bit of pressure on the families. They were like, oh God, I haven't got my clothes back in time. Ah. Um, so I was like, okay, how can we simplify this? Monthly subscriptions are something that everyone knows. Everyone probably has at least one monthly subscription. So it's just kind of like a simple framework to use. And then it means that we can be super flexible. So you're basically paying to get access to this wardrobe and then you can swap the next size up whenever you need it so that's not tied to the monthly payment and then to work out like the price was kind of complicated because it is that rental model um, and we are having to pay for the clothes up front but then we can't be charging we can't be attributing all of the costs of the clothes to one family because we're splitting those clothes like across multiple families so we kind of have to factor that in factor in that percentage of the clothes probably won't be reusable when they're returned if they've maybe got a stain that we can't get out um and then factor in like our other costs like for fulfillment and for cleaning and for sanitizing and shipping and returns so once we've kind of worked out what our cost structure was 
um, it was a lot easier to decide the price. But also like with the pricing, because we are like the first in the market to do this, it's like we kind of get to set the price. Um, so yeah, it was kind of one of those things where you just have to be like, okay, this sounds reasonable. See how parents react to it as well um, and make sure we're not, well, I, it, it was important to me. Like I know a lot of businesses at the moment are just all about growth and don't really care if they're losing money on every new customer. That just makes no sense to me. Um, makes sense if you're running like an app or something, but it doesn't make sense to what I'm doing. So for me, I was like, I want to have good unit economics from the beginning and I want to eventually become like a profitable company. And to do that, I'm going to have to have good unit um, economics. Yeah, I think for those businesses, it makes sense in certain aspects when like the... So say if like for a dating app or something, they need like loads of people to come on or something like that. Like when it, when there's like more users, then, then it makes sense. Like I, we had a, we actually had a funny enough, we had a clothing rental come like app come on our, come on the podcast oh, before I know her. and it was a similar story. Like they needed, they, <laughs> they needed like a lot of people because otherwise if they're renting clothes to one another, like they need a lot of people rent, they need a lot of renters to get a lot of like people that buy that, that lend it. Yeah, definitely. Some businesses need like network effects um, for them to actually get the value across. Um, because yeah, if you turn up on a dating app and there's no one else there, I actually used to work for a dating app. So yeah, if you turn up and there's no one else there, then you delete the app straight away and don't go back to it. So you need to make sure you've got enough users for like other people to see value in it. Definitely. I think before we, before we stop recording, we only got like five minutes or so. I'd love to talk about, I guess, you, you recently raised investment, right? So I guess like, I'd love to hear about that. Like, I don't know if you can reveal how much you've raised or like the, the process of raising that much that much money. So it was quite daunting to start off with. Um, I spoke to like a few other founders within this like sustainable fashion space and they were all kind of being my hype girls and like hyping me up for it, which was great. Um, but I was nervous because yeah, I hadn't been through the process of raising like a round of money before. I didn't feel like I had particularly like connections to people um so a lot of what I was doing and I know they say never to do this but it did work <laughs> was cold outreach and maybe it worked better because it was COVID time so everything was just online and over zoom anyway um but yeah I just found angel investors who had relevant experience because for me I wanted to bring in people who could also contribute to the business as well um, so I looked at people who'd worked for companies that like I admired in the past or had previously invested in them um, and then literally sent a ton of LinkedIn messages um, and yeah got them on Zoom which was great <laughs> and I think definitely people were more into it it was easier to get meetings with people because they were at home and they would just be like okay great let's have a half hour Zoom so it was a lot easier you weren't taking as much of their time um, and yeah, you just have to try and get like that first person to commit. Once you've got that first person, everything else becomes a lot easier because you're like, oh, bloody blah, I was in for bloody blah. And then the next person's like, oh, like that person's in and they see what businesses they've been involved in before. And they're like, oh, okay, well, if this person thinks it's a good idea, it's definitely a good idea. So let's come in as well. And um, so yeah, I feel like getting that first person is key. So how did you, how did you get that first person? Like, I know, you, I know, obviously you got a meeting with them through through LinkedIn messages or like email or whatever. I, I haven't been through this process before. So like I'd, I'd love to hear about I guess 
how do you how do you kind of go approach it? how do you kind of tell them like yeah we want this much money from you yeah like, for well, this they, much. so he had been one of the initial investors in mindful chef and he also has like amazing branding experience so he's a bit of a branding guru and i was thinking like okay i'm creating a whole new category here like i need someone who can bring that like branding expertise to the business and then i saw that mindful chef had just exited to like Nestle I think um so I was like okay if he's one of the initial investors he's probably getting a bit of a windfall soon this is probably a good time to reach out to him with another subscription service so I reached out he actually initially was like oh not something I'm interested in but if you still want advice on branding then yeah let's have a call so I was like perfect yeah I'll just have a call with you just to get advice and branding so I was like that's worth so much anyway just getting his, his advice so we jumped on a zoom call and then actually kind of managed to win him over in the zoom call and by the end I was like I feel like you're interested now and he's like yeah <laughs> so yeah I think just any opportunity you can get someone even if they're they kind of say oh like my quote what do they call it like quotas filled for the year or whatever like just get on a call with them anyway um because it's always worthwhile even if they're not interested they will have someone else to introduce you to so definitely try and get introductions as well um yeah you just have to you just have to do a lot of kind of LinkedIn stalking and just find people who are interested in similar business models and if they've had success with those business models before then that's even better because then they're like okay that subscription service exited for whatever here's another one let's go for it um and yeah try and find people who can bring value to your business as well because they'll be so much more excited about it if they know that they can like contribute and actually help it grow yeah no that's great advice and i think that's probably a, an amazing bit to end on actually because that, that's that's amazing so we've covered some amazing topics already like it's been it's been amazing having you on actually Eve. um i know a lot of young people would love to start businesses around sustainability so all the all the sort of advice you gave around like starting it testing that pricing like bringing in new new value propositions not just sustainability and then obviously like ending with raising investment um that's the whole business isn't it like that's 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 all it is really <laughs> yeah you're sorted <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh no this okay is sweet so, well how so can people fun. stay in touch with you and stay in touch with uh, um, Bundly in, in the meantime. Yeah, so if you want to find Bundly, we're bundly.co.uk. So that's bundle with an extra E on the end. Um, and if you want to follow us on Instagram, that'd be great. And um, we're trying to get to 10K followers and we're very, very close. So if anyone wants to follow us, that'd be amazing. So we're Bundly Baby on Instagram. Um, if you're not interested in anything baby related, um, but you'd like to just see like business tips or like founder life and stuff like that, um, I'm starting up my Instagram so i'm eve keke that's my name e-v-k-e-k-e-h um, on instagram as well okay sweet thank you so much eve okay. thank you so much yeah Nina. we'll chat soon definitely thank, thank, you, so thank you thank you so much for listening to this episode of the millennial entrepreneur and thank you so much for staying to the very end of the episode it means so much to me that you've done that if you did enjoy please be sure to leave a five star written review on apple Podcasts, and it helps me out so much and as a thank you actually i'll give you a shout out in the next episode because I want to share the love. I want to show you that I'm, I massively appreciate your, your support. It helps the podcast grow more than you can imagine. If you don't have an Apple phone, if you have an iPhone, then you, there's other ways to support the podcast. You can follow us on Instagram or you can subscribe to our YouTube channel. That's where all the video episodes are uploaded. So thank you again so much for listening to this episode of Millennial Entrepreneur. I will catch you in the next episode. Thanks again.